With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another edition of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for an emergency podcast by both Matt Collins and Keaton DeRocher uh, of Over the Monster. Uh, Guys, we are here to talk some Andrew Benintendi. How are you guys doing tonight? Tired. 
Trades should not happen that late. Is my opinion. That wasn't even one of the late ones, though, man. It didn't get done until 11. That's past my bedtime this time of year. Yeah, no, I'm with Matt, man. I'm 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 feeling like the old man vibes these days. And I had gone into my room to like meditate and then go to sleep. And uh, then as soon as I finished my meditation, I looked at my phone and it was just blowing up with Ben and Tendi. And I spent the next hour and a half that I should have been sleeping just scrolling through uh, Ben and Tendi trade talks. So I I feel you, Matt. That's the perks yeah. of having that extra hour on you guys. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so today on this episode, we are going to get to our immediate trade reactions. We're going to discuss the ramifications of the Benetendi trade for the roster, the return coming back, and then we will uh, get to your listener questions. And, and, you know, frankly, we might get to some of them uh, before uh, the end of the podcast. But let's get right to it. Uh, Matt, what was your gut reaction to this trade when you finally saw all the pieces out there and why don't you tell us what the actual final trade uh is as best you know yeah so i mean we don't know the final trade in fact we don't know more than half of the red sox return part but uh we do know is the three-teamer still not entirely sure how the mets weaseled their way into this one and arguably got the best part of it but <laughs> um, yeah, so Andrew Benintendi went to the Royals. The Mets got a Khalil Lee prospect from the Royals. And the Red Sox got Franchi Cordero, Josh Winkowski, and three players to be named later. Two from Kansas City, uh, one from the Mets. Um, very strange to see three players to be named later in one trade. It is because we're coming off of a very strange season where there was no minor league season, so... Red Sox are taking the opportunity to scout some of the guys. I assume that they have some sort of list. I think Bloom said that there wasn't a list, but that that doesn't seem right. There has to be something. It came out that there was a list uh, from the Royals uh, of of four players, of which they could choose two of, uh, and they have a month to scout those players. And I believe that was per spear, um, but I'm not 100% on that as we as we record right now but yeah you're right Matt I think it was just to have that opportunity to see how guys look coming off the break because a lot of these players to be named later as Spears said are outside of the top 10 it seems like of their rankings so many of these guys probably weren't at extended spring training yeah I mean they might have been but they might have been um I mean you have to really really show out to make to be noticeable there. I mean, Edward Bizardo is an example from the Red Sox of a guy who really showed out. But, I mean, there were, like, 50 people there, and we heard about, like, two. So, um, you don't really play that much. It's not a great scouting opportunity unless somebody looks, like, markedly different. Um, so, it's a good opportunity here to see some guys in a more... So, I mean, spring training isn't super organized, but a more organized uh, than Instructs. And, yeah, so, I mean, like you said, they're not move-the-needle kind of prospects. We're not getting a new prospect in the Red Sox system or anything here with this trade. Um, like you said, Spear reported that none of these prospects are expected to be top 10 in the Red Sox system, and the Red Sox still have a bottom half system, so that's not great for the return. So, um, yeah, Cordero's probably the main guy back. I think a lot of how you feel about the steal comes down to how you feel about Cordero. I am personally not crazy about him. I'm not typically someone who buys in on uh toolsy players who don't 
really make contact. And I mean, that's what Cordero is. If you want to take the optimist view, ton of power, ton of speed, uh, can play outfield. He's played all around, but I mean, he's not a guy that's sticking in center field or right field at Fenway. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about this deal. Give, assuming that the prospects don't move the needle. Well, luckily, Matt, we we do have somebody on the podcast who is a fan of of these particular types of players, and uh, he is he's my co-host on on the red seat, Keaton. I imagine your reaction is quite different than Matt's to this trade. No, it's actually the same. Uh, I'm not a fan. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, you shocked me. Yeah, um, this is a little bit too much swing and miss for me. Ooh, I didn't uh, know there was such a thing. Yeah, there is a limit, and it's unfortunately <laughs> it's it's thirty five plus percent. <laughs> so it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty high. Yeah, but he gets there, uh, and I mean it's it's kind of obvious. Like Padres didn't really think he was worth holding on to. Kansas City is willing to let him go. I mean, and that's every time he's been traded, it's you know he has the he has the tools and the potential, but it's just never come to fruition so I, I don't know i mean i know he's 26 it's not old by any means but i'm not sure at what point a guy just is what he is and i would rather have been who can get on base yeah i mean yeah that's a i mean it's a fair point it, it's definitely fair <sighs> i don't know how to react to this trade to be honest uh i think i'm like I'm not quite as anti this trade as you guys are. I tweeted out last night, like after seeing part of it without seeing the three players to be named later before I just shut my phone off and was like, ah, I'm going to bed. Um, I was like, I'm not, I don't love this trade. Um, I don't hate this trade. I think it's really going to depend on these three players to be named later because as you guys are low on Franchi Cordero, I'm also pretty low on Andrew Benatendi. I've been advocating for the team to trade him and that he needed a change of scenery for the the entirety of this offseason. And, and Franchi is not the guy who I wanted back by any means. I'm very much in the same camp as Matt that I don't like guys with this much swing and miss, this much hit tool concern. Um, I don't think that he's all of a sudden going to come to Boston and put it together magically and he's going to be this great piece uh, he feels like somebody who would be way better suited to be a fourth outfielder than to be a starting outfielder for a team. Um, so maybe, you know, there's still some chance uh, that he'll be a platoon option. I don't know exactly how this is going to shake out, but with the outfield options as they currently are in the market, it does kind of feel like he's going to be a starter for this team. What do you guys think about that? I mean, is that his role now? Is he is he the starting left fielder? Yeah, I don't know who else it would be. Um, I think right now, I would be surprised if either they didn't add like a Kevin Pilar or somebody like that, um, or make Kike Hernandez an everyday outfielder. Um, but even so. Cordero, it's probably a Cordero Renfro platoon, I think is the plan, which I mean, I'll say this for Cordero since we've all been kind of down on him. Um, for all of his flaws, he's been basically a league average hitter. Um, I keep mentioning that Andrew Benintendi gets on base, which is mostly true, um, but Franchi Cordero hits for power. I mean, that's the flip side. 
whichever way you slice it, they've both basically been league average hitters. Benintendi's obviously played a lot more. Um, Cordero's had a bunch of injury issues. I think you can make a Cordero Renfro platoon work. The issue is that the rest of the outfield, I mean, for Dugo is solid. I don't think he's a great hitter, but I think he's good. Um, and then if you, whether you have Pilar or Hernandez in center field, somebody like that, that's not a lot of offense either. So, um, I think they're going to add to this outfield, but I don't think they're going to do anything to make it significantly better. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's going to, going to be a weakness on the team, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, what do you guys make of the rest of the return, though? I mean, this Mets pitcher seems like he is pretty much a wild card who had a pretty good, um, what do we want to call it? Uh, what was that thing? He, Extended? He, he, instru- he was at Instructs. He was one of those he, blow-up guys. Yeah, um, So like, but he was going against his own teammates, right? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's instructs. I mean, that was Bizarro too, and it was good enough to get him on the forty man. Um, you show up. He he was the similar to Bizarro in that he showed up throwing with like three extra miles an hour on his fastball um, in a splitter that they had never really seen before. So there's some reason to be excited. He was like basically a non prospect, and now he's kind of a fringy guy. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily bet on the Red Sox being the organization to get the most out of somebody like that, but um, like I, I wrote in a column today, you, you still have to try. You can't just give up on trying to find pitching prospects. So, uh, I mean, as far as like throw-in type prospects, he's pretty good. I would say it's just not somebody to be super excited about. Yeah, I would agree with that. And particularly given the state of the Red Sox pitching, I don't really think they're in a position to be picky about where they can kind of find potential options. So it's, it seems like a perfectly reasonable throw-in piece here. He also just got traded like 10 days before this, too. The uh, Stephen Matz deal. He's kind of bouncing all over the place. Well, hopefully he didn't rent a place. <laughs> he changed his uh, <laughs> Instagram bio today to, I guess, the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I already like him more. <laughs> well, you know, so I think that the... Looking at this trade, people are probably wondering, well, why did the Red Sox do this? And I think that the Red Sox, from my perspective, only do this if Heimblum really doesn't have a lot of confidence uh, that Benintendi uh, is going to be anything better than just a league average type player. We've seen the fading athleticism. I think there's been a lot of people that have been calling this a sell low on Benintendi. And Matt, I know you've been a proponent of pushing back against that being the notion and i think that that's probably well, true it's it's sort of it, it it can it's not necessarily selling low um i think it might like i think it probably is but i don't think it's like i think people are acting like they're selling based on 2020 value which i don't think is what's happening so i think that's what i want to push you back on um but i think you're right that they only make the steal if they think that it's not selling low and that this is just his value um, and I guess more specifically, I think they probably think he was never going to turn around in Boston, um, or at least some people did. I think there were some in the organization who very much believed that he was going to turn around and the other faction ended up winning. Yeah, Catillo tweeted that out, um, yeah. that, that there were some people there that 
that did think that. Um, I fully am, am, am and have been in the camp that Ben Intendi needed a change of scenery and had been calling for him to like go back to his native Midwest. And this is exactly what's happening. So I actually think he'll probably do pretty well in Kansas City. What do you think about Ben Intendi moving to a new change of scenery, Keaton? Are you, do you have any faith in him bouncing back there? Yeah, uh, right before he got hurt, I wrote a piece for Over the Monster about how I wasn't giving up on him yet uh, and how I saw enough underlying things in his line that it seemed like he could definitely turn it around. And then on, then he uh, broke his ribs, which was not what was reported by the Red Sox. Um, I can't remember who. I think it might have been Spear or um, Chris Cotillo who just tweeted out um, that it wasn't a rib strain. As originally reported, he had like multiple fractured yeah. ribs. I think Ben Attendi said that himself at his press conference today. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of rough, but obviously it was bad enough that he didn't, didn't get to come back in 2020. But yeah, there's still stuff that I think he's he's going to be able to put it together. And you're right, it probably is just a change of scenery thing. And it's, it's typical with baseball, like the, the normal cliches, the devil you know is better than the one you don't. But it's like the opposite in baseball. Like if, um, you know, we... Red Sox had seen Benintendi and decided, you know, they got the most out of him. They they can't really return him to like 2018 form. They'd rather take a chance on a, someone that they don't know and they haven't seen thoroughly yet to know to make a determination. Um, and it kind of seems like the same guy that just hasn't reached potential. I mean, at least with Benintendi, I guess we've seen it. Um, and Cordero hasn't been given an everyday shot to really kind of prove what he can do which is partly due to the injuries and maybe partly due to skill set um in the previous scenes that he was on but i i hope that benintendi has a bounce back and i think you're right he probably will also i think it might help go into a smaller market where there's less pressure yeah i think so i i agree with that and i also do have some optimism about franchi cordero i don't know that he's going to be necessarily a plus but i think that there's uh, absolutely a potential for him to be um, better for this particular lineup than Benintendi. Um, I think power is something that was missing from the outfield. And if you can, you know, capture a high power, low average, low OBP season from Franchi, I think that that would still be uh, beneficial to this team in a big way. He's still someone who posts huge exit velocities, well over 90 miles an hour, um, somebody with elite sprint speed over the last three years, except for last year for some odd reason. Um, but he's like a very toolsy guy. Yeah, yes. it's definitely worth noting that he's only the most games he's ever played in the season is 40. And he's had, you know, bits of four seasons in the majors. He just hasn't been able to, like, put a chunk of a season together to actually put his skill set on display. So, I mean, we don't really know what he can do over an entire season. But, I mean, like you said, Jake, if it's just a bunch of power, then that's going to help. So, Yeah, I mean, I think the comparison to Ben Tendi is obviously going to be an interesting thing to watch all year. Um, and, I mean, it really just seems like a clear-cut floor versus ceiling to me. Um, yeah. If they both hit, like, their maximum or close to their maximum potential i think cordero is the better player this year and moving forward but i think the benintendi is more likely to hit that 
mid-level where he's like an acceptable regular regular where franchi is more likely to get to that point where you're like do i even want him on the major league roster right now um but i i think it's an interesting question who who do you think has the higher wrc plus at the end of the year assuming they are healthy and all that kind of stuff i think benintendi yeah, I agree. I think Benintendi in Kansas City with zero pressure uh, is going to be productive. Yeah, I think so, but I think I probably would bet on Benintendi. But man, I think I I was just talking about how Cordero can tank. I mean, I think Benintendi can tank too. We've seen it, and I think Cordero likely being in a platoon should help his numbers. So I would, I guess I would go Benatendi, but I, I think it'll be close. I think uh, Cordero will be a lot more fun to watch. To be honest, I think he could make some athletic plays. I think he has a chance to make some athletic moves on the bases. Um, the huge moon shots are going to be fun when he connects. Could be a lot of frustrating swing and miss, but you know, in this lineup, I think that that's kind of okay because he's going to be hitting towards the end of it, and I think that. Frankly, Benintendi had found himself in a position where the way that his bat was going, he was probably going to be batting towards the bottom of this lineup as well. So I guess I'd rather have the sneaky pop at the bottom of the lineup than the question mark that Benintendi had become. And I think that one of the things that I've noticed so much from looking at, you know, your feed on Twitter, Matt, on the Over the Monster account and uh, other Red Sox writers is the perception of Benintendi out in the market in Boston is way different than the reality of Benintendi. I think that people are just still remembering what 2016, 2017 Benintendi was, the 2018 catch from Benintendi in the playoffs. Like, There's just this narrative of this Benintendi that once existed but hasn't really existed. And we've pointed it out on here multiple times. So he's just, he's had one above average half of baseball really uh, since what the start of 2017 and other than that he's been pretty average um so i think that people are going to be outsized upset at this um because the perception of him is so different than the reality yeah and i think um i think a big part of that is the red sox have frankly been boring and or frustrating and or like very maddening to watch and so people just haven't really watched the red sox since andrew benintendi was last good um so you combine that with the you know prospect pedigree and all that um i definitely think it heightens it and yeah i mean i saw a lot of people talking about benintendi being a guy who he really isn't which i mean i think i think there's a middle ground there i think i'm certainly not thrilled with the trade but i'm also under no illusion that they traded like a superstar like there you can hopefully people can find that middle ground i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they talk about him like he is a similar type building block to Devers or uh yeah, I mean, or he Bogarts. looked like he was going to be for a few years, but obviously that's been since like mid since like 2018 probably. Yeah, I think it's the, also kind of fueled though by like the words of Bloom himself last night when he was talking about the deal. Um you know, he said it was a painful step of trading a player who's important to us and who's really talented. But, like you said, he hasn't been since the first half of 2018. Yeah, but, I mean, Bloom's not going to be like, yeah, I'm glad we got rid of this piece well, of shit. Well, <laughs> yeah, I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm just saying it, I think it helps fuel the fire of yeah, uh, yeah, some totally. of the frustration. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, so going forward on this roster now that we have Franchi Cordero in tow, uh, we have no Benintendi anymore. There aren't a ton of places where I think the Red Sox can go here. I mean, they can either uh, work out something with Jackie Bradley Jr., which was like my gut reaction thought as soon as this happen, happened. Um, the path to JBJ is sort of interesting, though, because they can go out and sign JBJ for like a one or two year deal, considering what his market has been, if he's willing to do that with them and get over the uh, luxury tax threshold that they don't want to be over. But they also calculate that at the end of the year. So they could do that and then still sell off pieces if things don't go how they want and get back under that number. And I think that that is sort of a possibility now. I'm curious to see what you guys think about that possibility. I'm not super optimistic. It just doesn't sound... It's never sounded like it was that interesting to the front office i mean bloom has said good things about bradley obviously and he said like they're talking but nothing that was said last night made me think anything change they really didn't save that much money they saved a little over a million dollars in the luxury tax um, because they sent some money along with benintendi in the trade um so it's not like they freed up a bunch of tax face like he said they can go over i don't think that bradley's gonna be the guy and i think it's not even just because of the money. I think it's because of the years. I don't. I don't think there's any way you're getting him on a one-year deal. Um, a two-year deal might still be pushing it. I think you're putting an option on it. And I think if there's, if the Red Sox have to go more than two years, I just don't think it's going to happen. And right now, I think Bradley's still holding out for that. Yeah, I don't think it's happening either. And particularly because so if they did sign him and then they went over, and then. With the expanded playoffs, if they're pushing for a playoff position, they're not inclined to really trade anybody and dump that salary. And then they ended up finishing the year over, and then they have to reset again in an offseason that we're expecting the Red Sox to spend a boatload of money. They wouldn't do that to be over the cap for a second year. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't think they're going to really want to go anywhere near it this year. And if they did, I, I think it would. agree with that. Really? Okay. I think that they would go over for a playoff bid. I don't think they're getting expanded playoffs. Um, I, th- I think this ownership would go over for a playoff bid, and I think they would go a little over right now. Because um, if they're bad, they can just trade like Adam Adamino or mm-hmm. Matt Barnes or 
Nate Navaldi or whoever to get back under the tax. Um, and plus, next offseason, the CBA is up. I'm assuming the luxury tax is going to be like totally different to the point where going over this year, I don't know that's really going to affect the future. Um, so I don't think that's a major concern. I think it's more about how long he's going to be here with Duran coming up. Um, and I mean, I know the Mets signed Almora. I still think there's a market for Bradley between, I think the Mets will still be in and I think the Giants will be interested. I think the Astros will be interested. So, I mean, his market is not as peachy as it looked a couple weeks ago, but it's, I'm still not, I don't think he's going to have to settle for a pillow deal at this point. Yeah. I think he still gets like a three to four year deal, uh, if he wants it. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether or not he'd be willing to, to come back to the Sox on a two-year deal. I don't know what his preference is or comfort level. But I think that it's more likely than not that Jackie Bradley Jr. is not on the team uh, to, to start this upcoming year, which is kind of crazy because that means no Benintendi, no Betts, and no Bradley, uh, which is wild to think after 2018. Um, I want to ask both of you guys, though, and, and I'll start with you, Keaton. Um, do you think... There will be any more additions to this roster in the off season, and and if so, do you have any specific names in mind? Um, I don't have any specific names. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Well, um, I guess the the deal with the what's this guy, the Japanese reliever, isn't done yet. I kind of so am expecting that's it. Yeah, I'm expecting that to happen. So sure. Yeah, he doesn't count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the guy who's like imminently. I'll about say to okay. Sign. If you say Salamora, I'm saying Martin Perez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, no, I don't. But I mean, you also mentioned uh, Matt mentioned Duran, which could also be a part of this. I mean, he had really good reports at the alternate site last year. I think he ended um, 2019 in Double A, so he doesn't have a ton of at bats in the upper minors, but. They might have seen enough in instructs to be like, this guy is just about ready, and they may just be waiting. I mean, it's possible that they're just waiting for him to be ready at some point in 2021, and so they don't want to invest in like a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. That would obviously be uh, slotted ahead of Duran, and then when Duran is ready, have him not available to the major leagues, or I'm assuming at least they wouldn't bring him up in a bench role, uh, and they just let him continue to get at bats. So, I mean... Maybe that's part of it, too, that they're just, you know, maybe Duran comes up sooner than we think, and then we have that Renfro-Cordero platoon. I don't know. I'm not expecting any other moves, though. Yeah, I I don't – I kind of – I don't think that Duran is going to come up. I, I think they want to give him a little bit of time. At all this year? And, no, I, I think he'll be up at the end of the year, but okay. I think that yeah, they're going to start like him August-ish. in Worcester. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're making plans for this year, but I think it, to your point about Bradley, I think that's why they don't want to go three years. Um, two years is probably good. I think you could throw Duran and left uh, to start his career if you have to. I mean, Ellsbury is such the easiest. Ellsbury to Duran is like the easiest comp in my history of following prospects. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Ellsbury started in left field because uh, Coco Chris was here. So I mean, I think you could do that for a little bit. But I do think Duran plays a factor in this, especially with like George Springer as well. Um, I don't think they want to go long term. I do think they're going to make at least one more addition. I do would you, probably say two. Do you have a name or names? Yeah. So I think one would be either a center fielder or a second baseman. Um, Kevin Pillar is really the only center fielder left. And I think that he hasn't really, I haven't heard his name at all, but it still makes sense. 
Um, if not, I don't remember who's still out there for second base, but somebody. Cesar Hernandez base. is, I think, right? No, he signed somewhere. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, I forget. I think so. I don't know. I shouldn't say that without actually knowing. Brock Holt. Yeah, I mean, I think they could they could find a second baseman to throw in the mix and move Hernandez to the outfield. But I think something to fill center field is going to happen, and I think I still think Mitch Marlin just makes too much sense to not bring it. Those are the two names I thought of, too. I, I think that Pilar and Moreland would be the two guys. And I, I wonder if, like, we're just thinking that because they've already been here. And that's 100%. Fits, I mean, that's but... that's the entire reason for Moreland. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, even, not even joking. Like, that is the biggest reason why Moreland makes so much sense. Pilar is just because he's the only center fielder left. The other guy that I keep hearing, though, is Marwin Gonzalez, a switch hitter. Well, because he can play all, all over the field, you know. I guess that's, I don't, that's really it. What I don't get is like people are like super into it. It's yeah, I'm not strange. super. Into Every it. day somebody's like, "Are they going to sign Marwin Gonzalez yet?" It's like, are we? Is there a different Marwin Gonzalez that somebody's not telling me about? <laughs> the twins version of Marwin Gonzalez, I think, is the version people want. Right? That what was that like three years ago when he no, was really the good? Astros. The only year he's been really good was the sign stealing. Was that? Wow. He had a 144 WRC plus that year. Since what a weird 2016, coincidence. That's, yeah, since 2016, <laughs> the only season, uh, he's, oh, yeah. the best season has been 104. Other than yeah, the Twins season. version is the bad version. That's he right. was okay a couple of years ago. I, he can be a solid player. I don't want to like make it sound like he's trash. But I think people are acting like that 2017 version is real. And he was, if you remember correctly... I forget the account, but there was some account that like went through all the video and um, who got the most like trash can bangs, and Marlon Gonzalez got the most. He cheated the most. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. it sounds like the additions to this roster that from this point forward are not going to be game changing and probably not going to be too exciting. So, I think you guys I, are really <laughs> underestimating the number of at bats that Yairo Munoz is going to have this year. He's not even on the 40-man right now. Yeah, I don't even know if he's going to be on the roster. Oh, he will be. I think he'll be on the roster. Um, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to be in the majors to start the year. Unless his injuries. But... I still don't think... I'm still not downgrading the team, though, because of this Benintendi trade. I'm not sure that it really moves the needle for me in terms of wins I expect. Like, I still expect I expecting... them. Yeah, what do I you think? For I said... So I said 75 last weekend. Um, that's not really this roster, though. I think this roster, if they kept it all year, would be like 80. Um, but I think at that point, they're probably sellers at the deadline because they're probably fourth in division. And they kind of go young at the end of the year, so things tail off. Fangraphs has them as an 87-win team. That's bananas to me. I and mean, maybe I'm just dead wrong, but that seems crazy to me. I have yeah. them as like an 83-84 win team. Yeah, the, that, that, the Fangraphs one is banana land. Pakoda came out today and had him at 80 and 82. Yeah, Pakoda yeah. had 80, which seemed right to me. But, I mean, that's that's like confirmation bias. On my part. Obviously, I'm going to say the one that I don't agree with is crazy and the one that's like exactly what I thought is right. So. Yeah. I, I think well, there's some I, optimism to be had, though. I don't know. Keaton, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I had 80 wins when you asked me um, – like at the turn of the new year, uh, with the addition of Garrett Richards, I'll give it eighty-two. Okay. okay, I think there's just there's just too much that needs to go right. Like there's a path to them getting there, 
I just have a really hard time believing that all the stuff that needs to go right goes right all at the same time. If that happens, they'd win like 95. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm just talking about the pitching. And I don't know. I don't I don't think even if the ceiling hits the pitching, they're that good. I think we could see something crazy, though, like a Devers sure. MVP year this year or something like that. You know, something wild that propels the team to new heights. Yeah, I, I'm not really... I think it all comes down to how many innings you get from Evaldi and Richards, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I also agree with that. All right, shall we get to our listener questions? Let's do it. All right, so Sox Seltz says, What do I do with all of my Benny cards? Keaton, what should you do with his Benny cards? Uh, file them away in one of those little card holder binders and... Uh... You know, remember the good old days. Yeah, especially if you have the Ben Benintendi Jumping Catch card, which is a favorite of mine, in which you can always look back on with a fond memory, I think. Uh, Cutler, or Ky- Kyler Reynolds, I think. Having trouble seeing what that is. Uh, with Benny gone, do you see the Sox going out there and getting more outfield help, like bringing back Pilar or signing Chu? Uh, thanks, love the pod. Uh, thank you very much for your kind words. Yeah, we we think Pilar is a pretty big possibility, but I think Chu signed right to be a part-time first baseman with Milwaukee. Did that no go idea. through? <laughs> I didn't even. Uh, to be honest, if you had asked me like a half hour ago if Shinsu Chu was even still playing, I probably would have said no. Oh man, I roster him in like three leagues that I'm in. So I'm yeah, a I always liked him. I just, Chu guy. Um. But he can't play. The Red Sox need somebody who can play center field. And yeah. Shinsu choose a DH at this point. Uh, Angel Rondon says, why do Red Sox fans refuse to move on from 2018? Trust Bloom. Uh, I'm really I'm sorry. I'm really starting to get annoyed by the Trust Bloom stuff. I'm also sorry if wanting Mookie bets on this team makes me a bad person. Yeah, I mean, I think, not even just Mookie bets. I think moving on. 2018 is the best roster anybody that watches the Red Sox right now is probably ever going to see, so I think it's fine to hold that, keep holding on to that. But really, the Trust Bloom stuff is kind of weird to me. Um, I don't think we should just like automatically trash him either. I think you should just like kind of treat him as somebody who hasn't proven anything at this point. Which Yeah, so to that point, on on the good old Twitter, which of course is the, you know, the absolute truth of all... Uh, it's really kind of like polarizing, right? It's either Trust Bloom or this guy's uh, plant for the Tampa Bay Rays sent to destroy the Red Sox from within. <laughs> um, and I haven't really seen anything either way. Like, let's give him a chance to, like, make some moves. But, I mean, we can question why he's making them if we want to. Like, I yeah, don't think it's just blind faith. That's why, I mean, I think anybody. Like, what are we doing if we can't? If we just have to trust everything that everybody does. I mean, come on. That's like the 90% of the part of fun, fun of watching sports is. Yeah. I also, I do so. sympathize with him because I don't think it was really his decision to, like, to trade bets. It seemed like that was clear. Whoever came in as a new general manager was going to have to do it. So I guess I don't necessarily um, fault him for that, even though it's a massive bummer and shouldn't have happened. But that um, really kicked off a lot of the Bloom hate immediately because he just came in and traded bets and it, the Red Sox um, just signed Marlon Gonzalez. <laughs> Are you serious? 
Oh, man. Breaking news. Okay, cool. Well, at least you'll stop getting the when are they going to sign Marvin Gonzalez tweets yeah, now. Now we know. I told yeah. you there was a lot of smoke, Matt. I kept saying no, it. No, I, I, no. I, I <laughs> had been kind of assuming that it happens. I guess it makes sense, but I still so is don't. He in center field? He's probably, no, he's probably like. <laughs> he's the Aero um, Munoz. Yeah, he's going to play all over the place. He'll give Hernandez yep. a chance to play some more outfield, I guess. All right, yeah, take it back. You know, Yaro Munoz <laughs> isn't going to have many at-bats this year. Well, um, just to touch on Angel Rondon's point, because he is a frequent uh, listener and, and question asker here, uh, I do uh, sympathize with his feeling of being like, come on, just move on, though, because as somebody who was not nearly as angry as you two about the bets trade because I felt very <laughs> differently about uh, Betts' willingness to stay here than you guys did. Um, you know, I, I like, I get the whole thing about like Ben Intendi's not good. Betts was probably going to move on anyways. Like let's just get on with life uh, feeling that, you know, cause some of these Red Sox fans who are posting, like it's still 2016 are draining my life. Uh, when I read their their comments, so I I do get it to some degree, but I also fully agree with both of your point that Bloom has done nothing here yet. Um, and while I think that he has a good blueprint for what he's trying to do, and I think that it makes sense, like he has zero credit in my book at this point because he hasn't done anything. Yeah, I mean, let's let it happen. I've liked like yeah, I've liked a lot of the moves too. It's just. Let's see it actually pan out, though. Yep, totally agree. Um, next question comes from Hendu, and he says, why is trading an underperforming player for another with the same upside and more team control a bad thing? Take away the names and judge the trade that way. What's your take on that, Keats? Well, I think we kind of did, and Matt kind of hit on it. Like, with Benintendi, it's floor. With Cordero, it's ceiling, and it's they just got tired of the floor and wanted to take a chance on the ceiling. Yeah, I think that is a good way to put it. Matt, you have anything to add there? Uh, no, not really. All right. Uh, next question comes from Derek Thorne. It says, why are the team owners so interested in making me disinterested in the team I've been attached to since 1986? Because the world is out to get you, Derek. I don't know, man. Was <laughs> <laughs> that Bane? <laughs> I, I guess so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, teams go in cycles. Um, it sucks that Betts is gone, but like, if you were really that attached to Benny, I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's not very good. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think if you were attached to Benny, that's perfectly fine. He was a fun player to root for, and I get why people are sad about it. Says the guy who will be heartbroken if Matt Barnes is ever gone from this team. No, I've already come to grips that he's getting traded midway through the season. You will be sad. No, a part of me will be very happy because I can watch Matt Barnes <laughs> without somebody telling me every time he throws a ball. Like, that'll, be, that'll be a nice existence. Okay. Next question comes from James. He says, what are the odds that Ben Intendi just isn't that good at baseball? Uh, all right, I'm going to take this one. Uh, I'm going to say at least 50%. Well, let's let's set the baseline here. Compared to ninety nine point nine percent of the world, the odds are zero. <laughs> very, very good at baseball. Uh, compared to 
Major League, I don't know what's considered not good. I think he's probably like a at least a one win player. I don't think that that's not good at baseball. Yeah, he's he's to be like saying to somebody's not good at baseball means that they're out of a league within the next eighteen months. So Marvin Gonzalez, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really distracted right now. I'm gonna be honest. I'm just thinking about what to say about Marvin Gonzalez when we hang up. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Keaton, you got anything on that one? The odds for Benny? I don't. Okay, we'll move on then. <laughs> uh, Otis, uh, who is is a, a frequent listener as well, he says, do you want my copy of Homegrown? Uh, yes, Otis, I actually do. I don't know if you're talking to me or not, or if you're talking to Matt or Keaton, but I haven't read the book yet, and I'd like to, so yes. Um, Patty Adcock has our next one, uh, and actually Jackson Posey has the same question. Any idea who the players to be named later are? No, and we won't know for at least a month. And finally, Joel Large uh, says, will I ever love again? Keaton, any advice for this star-crossed lover? You can start uh, stitching uh, Cassis across oh, that, that heart for your patch jacket. Because uh, he'll he'll be here and he will be your new love. He's already my love. Yeah, I'm very aware. Uh, <laughs> anything first baseman related is uh, comes with a note that Cassis is uh, being undervalued. So. <laughs> Johnny on the spot with that stuff. Yes, I am. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, thank you both for joining me for this emergency episode. We do hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, we we hope that you will find some way to to fill your heart, that your hole in your heart with Benny, that uh, with some Franchi, some Franchi bombs, some Willie Mo Pena part two. Hopefully that works out. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>